With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As the Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got him. (laughs) That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh. Handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to episode number 93 of the DC Crossover, your final episode of 2021. I am Ben Simpson. That is Mike Cerrone. Hope you all had a fantastic Christmas. Hope you enjoyed our Festivus episode. I know it got a lot of play on The Contender. Uh, If you haven't downloaded the app yet, I don't know what you're doing. Download the app, Contender with a K. You can stream our content and a bunch of other live stuff. Uh, And I'm sure this episode will be playing on replay around uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and things like that uh, as I welcome in my partner here, Mike Cerrone. Uh, Mike, yeah, Christmas is done now. It's we're almost at the depressing time of the year where once right, you get past right. New Year's, where you have that like, you know, some months before you get another holiday off or whatever or anything special happening. Um, it, we're about to hit the dead zone, Mike. The dead zone for like holidays and days off. Right, the dead zone. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So you uh, you asked me how it feels to be off for you know two weeks. Some people think that being off for two weeks is like, oh, nice, it's a huge vacation, and all that kind of stuff. But when you think about holidays, especially a holiday like Christmas that ends, uh, or I should say takes place on like a Saturday or something like that, sure, it's not really a holiday because then everybody else is going to family events on the weekend and all that kind of stuff, which typically we would usually be doing that for you know a family get-together or something like that. But the biggest thing that I'm looking at is I feel like I haven't stopped moving since we got on break. Like right, seriously, right, like, right. we got we got on break on a Friday, and then that Friday was kind of chaotic. And then all of a sudden, uh, the weekend was kind of like, oh, we're preparing for Christmas, we're preparing for this, we're preparing for that. And then all of a sudden on Monday, I went to Pittsburgh and I got back on Thursday, and it's not a short, short drive. I mean, it's, no, it's not a it's not a horrible it's not, drive. It's not like you're driving to Florida or something like that, but it's still. It's still decent, and it's just long enough to like 
tire you out. <laughs> yeah, because the main main sole fact is that it's it's kind of hilly, and it's not like driving to Virginia Tech where it's smooth and you're just driving through the mountains or whatever. Right. Like this is like you got hills and you got <laughs> you know more hills, and it's just it's just crazy. So it's like it wasn't terrible. It wasn't a horrible drive. Um, and there was one time at some point near Breezewood. Uh, I don't know if you know where oh, that yeah, is. Yeah, I know Breezewood. Yeah. Where uh, you know where that huge like if you to get on like I seventy and different things like that, where you're doing that huge like weird U to oh, get yeah, back yeah. on another highway. It's a nasty show it, over there. It was weird. So I was coming back right, and there was two tractor trailers, and this one tractor trailer just said, "Screw you, man." And he just started coming over into my lane for Ooh. no reason. <laughs> there was because it's th- it's three lanes coming back here. Uh, at that turn signal but near like the Starbucks and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I'm in the middle of these two tractor trailers and I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm just driving. And then all of a sudden when I just start going your own business, I'm just minding my own business, just trying to get home. And all of a sudden this guy on the left, I see his trailer just start to move to the right a oh, little bit. And I'm wow. like, Whoa, but Hey, uh, and I, if I beep at him, he's not going to hear me. No. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I'm like sitting there like Ricky Bobby with my hands up in the air saying like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> like Jesus take the wheel. How far up were you? Like, like, were you kind of in the middle? Of, oh yeah. Of I was it? like Clark, okay. Gr- Clark Griswold, uh, you know, <laughs> going underneath the trailer. Right. Uh, and, and literally, literally the other guy on the right's not moving. He's just turning like a normal human being. This yeah. other guy just starts moving over in my lane and I'm like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get pinched here. Like yeah. I'm gonna get smushed. <laughs> like like I'm gonna be like seriously sitting oh there. My God. Oh, it was it, it was it was what it was happened? Bad. So what happened? Did you have to slow down or something? I slammed on my brakes, yeah. and then this guy behind me was already cutting off another guy and behind him. So then they both had road rage and they sped past me on the shoulder and all this kind of. I'm like Jesus, Jeez. this is like that was a that was a little scary time. Nothing but, like um, the holiday spirit with everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, Merry Christmas. I, I'm telling you, those tractor trailers when you're on a major highway. You, you always got to keep an eye on them because, like, you know, I'm sure plenty of g- good tractor drivers out there, trailer drivers out there, but there's right. a, there's a few where you're like, what are you even doing? Like, are you even awake <laughs> right now? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, I'm always terrified. I, I can't be next to one of those for too long because you're just like, because yeah. <laughs> that's the exact thing you're describing. That's what my like my biggest fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting smushed between two tractor trailers and they don't even know it. No kidding. Um, but that was the biggest thing. Like I said, I, I feel like I haven't really even stopped. I mean, because when I got back on Thursday... Um, it was kind of like mid afternoon, kind of, you know, obviously the sun was already down cause it was three o'clock right. and that's like, that's normal now apparently. Yeah. Uh, and basically I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, I took a breath and then all of a sudden the next day is Christmas Eve and I went over to my dad's side of the family. Then the next day is Christmas day. I went over to my mom's side of the family. Then I went to my mom's house, uh, after that. And it's just like, basically it was just crazy. Then yesterday, you know, I basically just did nothing. I literally woke up that's the way and it to felt go. like I felt like I woke up at like 4 PM and then all of a sudden, I woke up and I watched football. Lost all my parlays, uh, and then I watched uh, Washington football team just get demolished, get destroyed. Uh, and uh, you know what? It's just it's just been a, a whole world. So then this so. week will be like your hopefully your more relaxation week. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like uh, my 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 Graham just called me and she said she wanted me to come over and sort some coins or something oh, like that. Oh, do the, a little coin sorting. It sounds right I up your know. alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, uh, so I don't know if it's gonna be a uh, a relaxing week or not. But uh, depends I need on a, how many know. coins, I guess. That's yeah, there's probably a lot of coins. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot. I got a lot of stuff going on, and it's just like, 
well, I mean, I just all I want to do is sit here and just stuff my face with pizza and pasta and, and 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 do nothing. So here's uh, the thing: it, this is diet the, starts New Year's. That's exactly it. I was gonna say. So this is the week before New Year's is the week to eat whatever the hell you want because yeah, you can say the diet uh, starting on the first. I'm gonna be eating healthy, but you've got all week long until that. Uh, so I've been kind of thinking the same thing. Like I bought some uh, from our uh, snack sweet snacks tournament. I bought. Something I don't know if it was in the tournament or not. The zingers, um, it was, but it was in the certain bracket, like the specific brackets that we had. Right, hostess, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I bought some zingers at the grocery uh, just to have as some desserts this week and stuff. It's like, when else would I buy a zinger? But the last week of the year, you know, is it? Isn't it a bad thing when you sit there and you go through a store? Like if I go to a giant or something down the street. I usually have a hair teeter down the street, but near my girlfriend's place, there's a giant right across or a shoppers or Safeway or whatever the hell it's called. Right. They're all the same. And I go down the left side of the store and there that's where all like the sweets are mm. and all like, and they have like table after table after table. I'm oh, like, the best. I'm going to go peruse through. I'm not going to buy anything, but I'm going to peruse <laughs> through them and try to tempt myself uh, because those things look delectable. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I walk by them every time. And I usually have the self control, but the, but the other day I was like, ah, you know what? Last week of the year, grab some zingers, you know. <laughs> and, and it was funny because uh, Abby, when I mentioned like, do you want a zinger? She thought I meant like I'm gonna diss her or something like that, like a joke. <laughs> a zing. She's like, what? What's what's your zinger? And I was like, no, 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 the the, 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 the candy or whatever. The, 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 and then the I insulted. Snack. Her. And then I insulted her, you know. And then I insulted uh, her after that for not. But yeah, on this episode, if you were. This is going to be a little different, people, um, because with this one, obviously, well, one, who wants us to sit down and talk about this Washington football team beatdown? I know you don't want to talk about it, Mike, and I know I don't want to talk about it, so we're definitely not going to. Instead, we decided, since this is going to be our last episode of the year, um, and it's crazy year it's been. I mean, again, we put it across you know, 30 or 40 episodes this year because um, we got a late start. We started around March, and uh, we've been doing it ever since. We've done some awesome things, uh, joining up with The Contender, joining up with DraftKings, working with Erica McCall on her podcast. Uh, so it's been a wild year for sure. We've done some cool episodes, some, some drafts over the summer, Thanksgiving show, Christmas shows. And now to finish off the year, we're going to spend some time on this episode talking about uh, the five biggest DC sports moments of 2021. We will do our picks later because, of course, we have to uh, get in our, our DraftKings picks. But before that, it's just going to be a relaxing journey through this past year and, and kind of how crazy this DC sports season uh, year has gone for these teams. And we got five moments that we're going to discuss on this episode uh, and hopefully this will replay a few times on the Contender app. Again, Contender with a K, you can download that. And you know, feel free to offer your own thoughts on these events if you want to reach out to us on Twitter at the DC Crossover or at Cerrone16 from Mike's account. Uh, but Mike, let's take things back all the way to January, uh, which feels like forever ago. Um, like last football season feels so long ago because this football season right. feels like it's taken forever. I mean, I know there's just one extra week, but it feels like it's like, I mean, we're still not there yet. We still have, what, two weeks left of the season or whatever? Uh, yeah. So it's kind of crazy. But taking things back to last year and the Washington football team and January 10th, the playoff game against the Bucks. From the Bills and the Vikings, third and five. Heineke in trouble again. He's able to escape. Keeps the play alive. Runs for the first down. Dies with the pile 
Is he in? Is he in? Yes, touchdown! What a play! What a play by Heineke! What a play! Wow! And this is the one time he took too long, but he keeps his eyes upfield, squirts around in there, and then he's got some speed that they didn't know he had. Runs away from everybody trying to hit that pylon. And does he hit the pylon with the football? Yes, he does. That's a touchdown. Before anything else comes up, what a play. He goes from the four. Keeps his body off the ground. Now, of course, they're and going for the, the two to tie it up. Yep, gets the point to the pylon. There comes Chase Young. That's my guy. <laughs> After a, a pretty wild year, this was a team that started uh, two and seven and was able to rattle off uh, going five and two for the rest of the season and finishing at seven and nine and winning the NFC East for the first time since 2015 after going three and 13 the year before and ending up in a playoff game with a different QB at the helm. Uh, and that it, uh, it was what their third, third or fourth different QB throughout the year because Alex Smith was there for a time. And then, of course, our old boy Dwayne Haskins uh, was QB for a little bit too, I believe. Um, but I think Kyle Allen started a couple games too. If and not Kyle mistaken. Allen. So, yeah, I think this was our fourth. And Taylor Heineke gets his playoff start, his second pro start um, against the eventual Super Bowl champions, Mike. Right. And right. I mean, and we said this. Back then, back in January after this game, that Heineke did show some grit and some guts in that game, and he was embraced by a fan base that has reached the point where we're he is our starting quarterback pretty much for this whole season. And it all started back then in that playoff game in January. Yeah, that's the thing is I think you've mentioned time and time again in this show that you know everyone wants to root for an underdog. Everyone wants to root for that guy that – you know, that Vince Papali from, you know, the movie sure. Invincible. Th those kind of stories where a guy is like, okay, he's not going to Alabama or LSU or, you know, Texas or anything of these, any of these huge schools. He goes oh, to the ODU. Kurt Warner movie that's coming out, the, the guy yeah. was bagging groceries and then he's suddenly the quarterback for the Rams. Yeah. yeah he's throwing toilet paper over the aisles. Yeah, uh, right. You know, and uh, <laughs> obviously we haven't seen it yet. Uh, <laughs> but I think that might be in the BFB. That's probably. Movie. Who knows? It's got to be. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that's just the thing is you're looking at this guy in Taylor Heineke and saying, okay, this guy came out in ODU, you know, he's like 28 years old now and he didn't really get a fair shot, which obviously people do get fair shots. But when you say, uh, you know, a fair shot, I mean like, oh, he wasn't really drafted high and, you know, projected right. to be a starter and stuff like that. Because you look at Dwayne Haskins, he got drafted first, went to OSU, um, you know, and, and then you're looking at his tra trajectory throughout the league. He's basically obsolete now. Like no one even thinks about Dwayne Haskins outside of possibly Pittsburgh, because uh, I believe he's on the practice squad. But that's the thing is, you're just looking at it and saying he got all these chances because he was a first round pick, and people didn't want to lose out on a first round pick. Taylor Heineke wasn't that. Yeah, so undrafted you, you, Heineke, undrafted exactly. in 2015 draft, signed with the Vikings as an undrafted free agent. Uh, out of ODU. I mean, <laughs> very I mean, different than Dwayne Haskins for sure. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is basically you go out there and you have 10 times more to prove than a guy like Dwayne Haskins. Now, this is not the uh, you know S on Dwayne Haskins show, sure. uh, but uh, at the same time, we're comparing it to him because he's a local guy, uh, Dwayne Haskins, that is, who got drafted here. And that's the thing is you're looking at a guy like a Taylor Heineke and a Dwayne Haskins and how much they have to prove and how much they have to 
put the work in more than the other person just to get noticed. Um, and for his size and, sh- and arm strength and all that stuff, he doesn't really have the tools to be a starting quarterback. Now, yes, he has started for us this entire year. But going back to that uh, end of the year last year with the Bucks and all that stuff, I mean, Bruce Arians said it said it best. Like, he didn't really know who Taylor Heineke even was. Yeah. So it's like you go out there and Taylor Heineke's going out there. You know, Not much of a scouting blade. report on Heineke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To go back to ODU days or something. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing is – Basically, you're going out there, you know, blind to see what Taylor Heineke has to offer, and he's going out there saying, "I got nothing to lose." You know, this is obviously, you know, hopefully my livelihood and everything like that, which I think now, especially this year, he cemented himself to be at least a backup quarterback. Sure. Now, a fringe starter, I would say maybe the back half, like the 26 to 32 or whatever uh, teams that uh, that need a spot starter or something like that, but. That's just the thing is that playoff game, going back to that, it's something that was fun to watch. I remember specifically where I was, what I was doing. I was sitting here, had my fireplace going. I had the lights behind the TV in Maroon uh, and Burgundy, I guess you could say. Uh, They weren't really Burgundy. They're called Maroon on my my remote. Uh, But anyways, um, I had those going. Like I said, I had the fireplace going. I had some drinks with me. I just sat there and watched it by myself, and I was just having a good time. Even though we were losing most of the game, I mean, he did that whole entire uh, you know, Heineke pylon dive and all that kind of stuff, and everyone was like, the man, signature. this is actually... The signature yeah, dive. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, if he was on the Nats right now, they'd have a bobblehead of that real quick yep. um, with the quickness. But it's just, you know, it's it's funny to see because that, that, that season was kind of like a, oh, it's a, it's a new Ron Rivera era and all this kind of stuff. And Taylor Heineke came, came in, and we were trying to still figure out the quarterback position, and he kind of gave us a little slight bit of hope that, hey, maybe we might have this guy on the roster because you, you see a lot of teams go out there and have like three or four quarterbacks out there, and, and one guy, you know, he's, he's practicing with the second or third teamers or something like that to the point where he's not really getting the, 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 the star power uh, to help him look better. Uh, on their roster. So I think that, um, honestly, when you go out and look at him, have that one playoff chance against, uh, like you said, the eventual Super Bowl champions, that was something fun to watch. Yeah, and, you it know, was It was, was overall a good game to fun. It was magical, you know, and, and they didn't get killed or anything, and I think they only lost by, what, seven points or something like that? Or I thought it was like 31-19 or something. Yeah. I, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a blowout like last night. Washington football team, Bucks playoff, 31-23. So yeah, Ooh, eight, eight point game, thirty one twenty three. The Bucks put across thirteen in the fourth quarter, but the Washington football team was in it for, uh, you know, for, uh, especially after three quarters, they were definitely in it. So yeah, I think it was one of those things where going into that game, like you said, playing with house money, did, no real expectations. You're going against Tom Brady and the Bucks, and you're 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 starting a guy that's making his second pro start. Um, you kind of figure this team didn't really have a chance, and Heineke gave them a chance. They they had them in the game. Uh, and it kind of, like you said, showed the spark of, okay, maybe this guy could be a piece of the future because nobody knew this guy's name. I mean, uh, right. even even some diehard fans probably had no idea who Taylor Heineke was uh, going into that game. So I, I think for a season, for the, the last season where they started so bad and were able to turn things around, we were kind of hoping this year would be like that, starting bad and then turning things around. There was a stretch there where they did. Uh, obviously, the latest loss to the Cowboys kind of tanks any of those uh, chances from there. But still, it was a, a momentous start to the year back in January. And first, that was the first season under the Washington football team name, too, I believe. 
because uh, it was Rivera's season, and then also no no more Redskins at the time. So kind of a wild year for D.C. sports in that one uh, for, for the Washington football team, and they, they really got this year started off. So that was back in January. Moving on to May, uh, and as we experienced one of the uh, there were so there. It's funny. There were two points in this year that were kind of wild. There was the 29th, 30th of of July, the trade deadline stuff and the NBA stuff that we'll get to in a little bit. And then there was the, the May, in May. You had two teams, the Wizards and the Caps, both pressing on to the playoffs. And Mike and I actually got the great chance to do some post game stuff for the contender. Uh, I believe after the Caps game, and I think we were. I don't think we did it for the Wizards, or maybe we did. It's hard to remember. Um, but the Wizards make the playoffs in May. This was the first season since 2009-2010 uh, without John Wall at point guard. Um, they finished 34-38, and 38, eighth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and first playoff berth since 2017-2018 because they had to play that play-in game that we watched against the Pacers. And lost in the Eastern Conference the first round, uh, you know, Four games to one to Philly. That's it. Washington is alive, forcing a game five, beating Philadelphia 122-114. And this was the end of the Scott Brooks tenure. But I think for this city and for basketball fans in this city, I think it was really important for the Wizards to make the playoffs last year because as you and I watched, you know, the Wizards started off the season terribly. And then they put together a really strong second half of the year with Westbrook going for the triple-double records and things like that and Beal kind of shooting his mind out and, like, all these guys playing really, really well and making a playoff push into that play-in game. And it's kind of interesting because it's it was a weird season for a couple reasons. One, it was the last Scott Brooks year that we got to see him as head coach. And two, you had Russell Westbrook come in for a season. You lose John Wall, who was the franchise point guard, and then you bring in Russell Westbrook for one year, and your team makes the playoffs. And we'll obviously talk about the Russ trade a little in a little bit. But it was a blockbuster trade towards the tail end of 2020, Russ for John Wall, which was wild enough. But uh, kind of a kind of a crazy end of the season for the Wizards because Mike, you and I, we were used to seeing the same guys out on the floor year after year, the same boring lineups. Next thing you know, Russell Westbrook comes in, and this team makes the playoffs, and yeah, they lose, but it was at least a situation where it was like, all right, we have a playoff team again here in D.C. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. And and that's the thing about playoffs is that everyone wants to see their team in the playoffs. Now, obviously, certain teams that are not going to win the championship or anything like that, just like the Wizards were last year, People don't want to see them go out there and just get their, their doors blown off. People don't want to see your team go out there and not get a good draft pick because that's the that's the whole fact uh, that you're looking at these type of teams where they make a small run at the end of the season or whatever it may be. They make the playoffs and then they get shellacked in the first round and all of a sudden they just screwed up their draft stock. Now, we're not telling them to, to, to tank or anything like that, but when you're looking at the Wizards team, this is a fun season because, like you said, this wasn't a lineup that we've seen in the last decade. Right. So all of a sudden, you see Russ go out there, and all of a sudden, he's hitting triple doubles left and right, which we've never really had a guy to go out there and get triple doubles. Now, double doubles is a different thing. Um, you know, John Walls had plenty of double doubles with points and assists, but Russ has always been there getting rebounds and all that kind of stuff. We saw him in Houston, we saw him in OKC, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But you're looking at it and thinking. This this could be something fun to watch, and we were excited throughout the season. Yeah, they had some lulls in there, um, but 
you know, we said, oh, maybe they have a shot against Philly. Maybe they have a chance against this team or whatever it may be. They had the playing game against the Pacers. That was fun to watch. Um, but you're just looking at it and saying, okay, this this team was not going to make any waves, but it was fun, like you mentioned, because it was a different face. And then all of a sudden we had at the end of the season where everyone was like, is Scott Brooks going to get fired here? Okay, are they going to actually pull the trigger and not do this Ernie Grunfeld bit where they keep this guy way past his term yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, just keep the status quo? And, you know, that was a big factor as well was Russ is a huge Scott Brooks guy. And that's the that's the difference is that Tommy Shepard is in the driver's seat now. And I've told you this multiple times on this podcast that with Tommy Shepard on the on the hot seat, not really hot seat, but on the driver's seat, I guess you could say, um, he's just making moves left and right, making this team, I guess, you know, I, maybe he was, and that's just, I'm just thinking about this right off the top of my head now. Maybe he was in the background, you know, feeding these ideas to Ernie, and then Ernie just didn't really, he just, it's like, oh, it's okay, Tommy. Uh, I got this thing, sure. you know. I mean, it's definitely possible. He I don't was know right why. There. I mean, I don't know why he's a, he's, a, he's a cowboy now. I don't know why he's an old cowboy. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's a, that's a big thing is I think he was probably in the shadows of Ernie sure. Grunfeld. And now because he's got the reins to the sleigh here, I think that's a big deal because now you've seen him make three or four huge moves to the point where now this team is actually playing a lot better. they got a new coach that everyone likes, uh, and, and it's just a different face. Well, that's why it's always interesting. I think when when teams promote from within, there's always like pros and cons to that, right? Like the pros for promoting from within is, okay, this is likely a guy that's familiar with the organization. Everybody's familiar with him. Like he knows the ins and outs of things. Um, and so that can be a positive. And in Tommy Shepard's case, I think it was a positive because he did have some of that background knowledge already. Um, and he was in charge, I believe, of some of the international scouting and things like that. Um, but the negative sometimes is you worry if a guy is just kind of part of the system. And if the system isn't working, then it doesn't matter if you promote from within because it's still not going to work. So I think with Tommy Shepard so far, we're pretty confident with what we've seen. And I think a lot of it started with last season. Um, and kind of seeing this transformation for this team, seeing some of these contracts and trades and things like that. Um, but a big part of it was definitely getting Scott Brooks fired, which you and I talked about extensively on this podcast. We had been calling for it for a long time um, just because we feel like it was just time to move on. And I think they fired him with about like a year left on his contract, if I believe. So, um, you know, it was it, it's interesting to see what this team was able to do last year. This year, who knows where the season's going to go. They've been so up and down. Um, right. But I think it was a sign of a uh, sign for the future. And one of the things that's not on our list is the hiring of Wes Unseld Jr., which we talked about on our show as well and played some clips from his press conference and all that sort of stuff. Um, but that would be also another big moment of the year is anytime you bring in a new coach uh, to, or, to an organization, that's always a big, uh, you know, a big change. And so we're, 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 the jury's still out on if that's going to be a good move or not. But for now, we're hopeful. We're hopeful. But moving on to the Caps, which around that same time, because hockey season, the basketball season are around the same time, usually the playoffs, um, the Caps, unfortunately, getting eliminated in the first round last year. Uh, this was the first season for Lav uh, Lav God, I can never say his name. Lavulette. Lavulette, <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> I always want to say, like, Lavulette. Uh, <laughs> 36-15-5 on the year. Um, this was the, the first time the Caps failed to win the division since 2014-2015 season and eliminated by the Bruins in Game 5. Lars Eller on the feed. Snapshot coming to the front door, deflected away, and the Boston Bruins 
advance to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Second round with a 4-1 win over Washington. Uh, so I, you and I definitely did the post game for this, and I, I remember bits and pieces of it. But uh, it was—it's kind of an, a thing because he was showing. All right, this is—it was our first sign, Mike, of what are the Caps going to be for the future now? Are we starting to show our age a little bit? Are some of these superstars starting to reach past their prime a little bit? And are we going to have to rebuild? Or are we going to have to try to find some some young talent and to try to? Uh, maybe not rebuild, but re-engage this team. And losing in the first round um, kind of it obviously hurts. And it was it was something where you you thought that oh, this team should have had a chance to go further in the playoffs last year, and they didn't. And that was disappointing for sure. Right, and, and it's not anything to do with their record. I mean, obviously they didn't win the division, but 36-15-5 is a pretty damn good record. Yeah, I think you'll take that nine times out of ten. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing uh, about last year is – it was a weird year because of the bubble and the COVID and all this kind of stuff because you're looking at the playoff matchups and we wanted to play the Islanders uh, and also we wanted to play the Penguins. We wanted to avoid the Bruins because the Bruins, I mean, they have they made the, the trade for Taylor Hall and, and they had a really good top two lines. Yeah. Uh, Tuka Rass still between the pipes and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, that was a big deal for us is that, like you said, we had a lot of aging veterans on the team. And this year has changed everything. I think this year, uh, not trying to get into it for this year because we've been talking about it for you know a couple months now. This year is completely different. Just like the Wiz, it's a completely different face now to this team because they got a bunch of young guys playing, and they got a bunch of new faces that we haven't seen before because they've been in a Hershey or they've been in uh, wherever. And that's the thing is, last year you know we had. Um, uh, Zdeno Chara on the team, and he's like 57. Yeah, he's like so 58. weird to think that that was a thing. <laughs> it's even weirder to think that we had the goalie for a while. What uh, before he had to uh, go Craig, out with the Craig Anderson? Craig Anderson. No, no, no. no, no. Oh, oh, about, oh uh, Lundqvist. Lundqvist. Yeah, Lundqvist. Henrik. Yeah, that we almost had him for the season until he was out. I mean, there were some some moves that the Caps made where you kind of forget about them because they never really panned out. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing too is about going back to that that series. Uh, obviously, Vitek was playing lights out for most of the season uh, over Samsonov, and Samsonov had his own issues and all that kind of stuff with COVID and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kuzi was having issues with COVID and, and just all their all their internal issues uh, when it came down to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Vitek kind of kind of came out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden he started the first game and he did the splits or did something like that. It was a weird play, and all of a sudden he has like he pulls his groin or does something to the point where now he can't play. Sam Sonoff was on the COVID list or something like that. And then we had Craig Anderson. Yeah, who, Craig Anderson <laughs> from like the beer leagues or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And he, and he came he came in and all of a sudden like he gave us like one decent game. Uh and, and all of a sudden it was just like, all right, is anyone coming back now? Uh you know, right, like, right, not right. really looking at Craig Anderson, hoping that he he's gonna be back the, there behind in that. Yeah. Right. And that's just the thing, uh, you know, looking at that series is you know, the Bruins are a really tough team. You know, it, the Isles, even though they're having a down year this year. They are a tough team as well, um, and you know they're they're one of those there's there's hard nosed uh, you know hockey teams that you know has a good coach behind the bench that we know really well, um, yep. and uh, and obviously you're looking at the Pens and last year they're a little more healthy than they are this year, um, they're aging a little bit too as well, but I just think that uh, how you know they got eliminated wasn't a huge burner mainly for the sole fact that those four teams. I would say last year those four teams were easily in the top eight, maybe 
uh, eight, uh, eight or nine teams in the entire NHL. So when you're going out there and you're saying like, oh, they lost in the first division or the first uh, round again, it wasn't really like that. It wasn't like we were playing no. the, the Devils or, or something like that. It wasn't like, like, like the years past so. where this team was like cursed for a while and losing in the first round of like the same teams year and year. No, well, it, it wasn't that. Because well, they, well, they also had the Canadian teams all playing each other and stuff like that, which was right. stupid. That was the it, biggest thing is you had, you had to play the same seven teams all right. year long. It was set, set up in those four different divisions or whatever, and that's all you played. So yeah. uh, you only played these other seven teams, which was insane. Well, we said, we've said it multiple times, time and time again, that the ca- – uh, not the Caps, the uh, NHL's playoff format sucks because you had those years – uh, many many years where the Caps and the Pens were basically two of the top three or four teams in the entire NHL, and they're playing in the second round. Like right. you're eliminating one of the best teams in the entire NHL, whether that be the Caps or the Pens at that time in the second round, and then they go play some you know some Joe Schmo team like the the Panthers or something like that at that time, and 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 they they get waxed. So it's like it just makes no sense how their playoff format is still going like this. But like I said last year. I don't really say like, oh, that's that's a huge detriment or anything like that because the Bruins, you know, they're a pretty damn good team, obviously. Right, you're right. And and with the you know with the Caps missing guys and like you said, I mean, Craig Anderson being in goal, it's like it, it's going to create a tough situation. But it was one of those things where it, it started making us think, you know, hey, this isn't the Stanley Cup run uh, that we had a few years ago. Now now we're going to have to work a little bit harder. Not that it wasn't hard work back then either, but things are going to be a little bit different. And now this year, of course, uh, with Ovi playing his mind. I mean, he's just out of his mind this season. Um, and, and some of these other guys are playing really, really well, too. So it's it's been a lot of fun, but it was not fun losing that, that uh, playoff series because uh, it's never fun to get eliminated in the first round. But like you said, right. it wasn't like a... Uh, too much of a heartbreaker, but at the same time, still wasn't wasn't that buzzkill. Buzzkill. A little bit of a buzzkill. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Um, the other two, the next two moments here, um, kind of coincide with each other because they all happened within a week, I believe. Is, um, but we'll start with the basketball side of things. Going back to the Wizards, as 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 blockbuster and wild as it was, the John Wall for us Westbrook trade, this Tommy Shepard move. Um, really put Shepard uh, for Mike and I um, into a really positive light because he moved. Don't let anyone ever tell you that a contract is uh, immovable, that you're not going to be it's too much money or whatever it is that you can't move this guy or that guy because that's not true. Because uh, Tommy Shepard was able to move John Wall's contract and then move Russell Westbrook's contract. Um, trading uh, Russ and some second-round picks in 2024 and 2028 to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrezl Harrell, and the 22nd overall pick. Uh, they ended up trading that pick for Aaron Holiday in pick 31, which is Isaiah Todd, who's in the G League. Um, and the trade opened up about $25 million in room for the Wiz uh, in 2022 and 2023. Woj, what else can you tell us about this Laker deal for Westbrook? Well, uh, this has been a conversation, I'm told, that has gone back and forth Uh, for a period of time now and that the two sides now feel like they are nearing a a possible deal that would deliver Russell Westbrook to uh, the Lakers. Now, the Lakers had continued and had been talking also simultaneously about a deal that would have brought them a buddy healed from Sacramento for for some of the parts that are in this proposed Wizards trade. uh, Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell opted into his contract for next season. Uh, Earlier today, I was told, and that allows him to be included 
in these trades. I think Sacramento would still like to be aggressive uh, in trying to get that deal complete. But I think for Washington, the chance to get some salary cap flexibility moving forward with Bradley Beal, bring back, uh, you know, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, you know, some solid veteran players, uh, another first-round pick in this year's draft, and then see if they can try to re-sign Bradley Beal and then be able to go out in the marketplace and try to get a big free agent in the future. But right now, uh, Washington and L.A. are trying to complete this deal. So, you know, a year prior or so, you had the John Wall-Russell Westbrook uh, exchange, the trade there. And clearly the Wizards came out on top of that because John Wall uh, has barely played for the Rockets here in the last year or so. And the Wizards were able to make a playoff berth. And then they were able to get rid of the Rust contract uh, entirely and bring in three pretty solid pieces in Kuzma, KCP, and Harrell. And we've kind of gone over those guys a lot in depth as far as on the show. We're talking about Kuzma, a new environment for Kyle Kuzma. He's blossomed. KCP uh, has kind of been up and down. He's more of a, you know, every now and then a three-point shooter and then a, a defensive stopper. Montrez Harrell has been really, really solid throughout this year. Um, but this is the type of move, Mike, that you and I loved uh, from Tommy Shepard. And, and we kind of figured it would pan out, and it really did. And it still has. I mean, the season is still relatively young, and the Wizards are not, like, the worst team in the league or anything. They just had right. a hot start, and then they cooled down. Um, but this, getting rid of the contracts that he did, Tommy Shepard really um, cemented himself as a as a good, as a good actual player in the GM world uh, in the NBA because he was able to pull this off. And the Wizards now sit at seven in the league, um, so they're technically still in the playoff hunt here for this year too. So, Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is I'm trying to look it up right now, um, but I don't think it's updated actually, that, um, it, you know, making these moves and trying to make um, this team – uh, I guess you could say into a better cultured team because of the, I mean, because we even talked about it multiple times that this culture is, you know, it's not like the Washington football team's culture right now. Cause that, no. that's, that's a whole different organization. That's a whole different animal. Cause they have, I mean, they have a million players, they have a million coaches, all that kind of stuff. So it's a whole right. different sport. But when you're looking at the wizards, this team has been in a bad culture. Um, I guess you could say status since, I would say uh, since maybe a year or two after the Beal uh, draft, um, mainly because, you know, they drafted Otto Porter, that flamed out. Kelly Oubre Jr., that flamed out. They traded him, all that kind of stuff. So you're, you're looking at this team and all the terrible moves that Ernie Grunfeld did oh, to, yeah. the, to the point where now all of a sudden you have John Wall that's hurt. You know, Bradley Beal is getting pissed off because he doesn't have any, uh, any, any help around him. And, and you're just looking – uh, at what is going to come next because it was like we said before staying the status quo for Ernie Grunfeld at the helm they finally got rid of him Tommy Shepard moved in yes he did make the uh the Bertons contract but at the time right you're looking at it and saying okay the contract's not a killer contract it's not like you're paying him 45 million dollars to miss every three that he takes now <laughs> right right but you're looking at at his his uh his strategy and I think his strategy is Hey, let's see if we can get like a sixth man, you know, coming off the bench, making two or three threes a game or whatever, and you know, trying to build around Bradley Beal. So he did make the the obviously the John Wall trade, and then he comes in here and says, "Okay, we got Russell Westbrook. Let's see what we can do. Let's try to wheel and deal a little bit. Let's see if we can try to build a culture uh, with guys." And I think 
you know, they, of course, they go right after LeBron. Because you know LeBron's like, oh, I want stars. I want stars. I want stars. I want stars. So he probably told Jeannie Buss or whoever the GM is over there that, hey, I want Russell Westbrook, and I want his contract. I don't care. Because look at, look at LeBron. I mean, let's be honest here. He doesn't care. I mean, two years, two, three years from now, he's not going to – he already has his rings. He doesn't care if he, he screws this team over with cap space and all that right, kind of right. stuff. And so, the Lakers, they've never cared about that stuff, you know. Exactly. So you're looking at it and saying, okay, you know, that he saw the low-hanging fruit, Tommy Shepard did, with the Lakers that were willing to take this contract, and he said, I'm going to bite the bullet. You know, Russ isn't like a staple here. He's not like a John Wall where everyone loves him and all this kind of stuff, even though John Wall was hurt for the last like season and a half or whatever. But you're looking at it and saying he took the low-hanging fruit and got three guys that are more prove-it players. Uh, you know, like they have a chip on their shoulder. Now, Montrez Harrell's a little bit different story because he's always been uh, a pretty damn good player coming off the bench. Yeah, he won a six-man-of-the-year six award and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So he was the catalyst in that piece. But Kyle Kuzma, still a young guy, has some skills, trying to prove himself after he's out of the shadow of LeBron James. KCP has always been a 3-and-D type player that's always good to have on your team. But you're thinking about it and saying, the main reason we got rid of Russ's contract because it was so large. You know, obviously, you know, we have some other guys like Bradley Beal who are going to get paid and everything like that. But just looking at uh, at the, this this team and the new culture that he's trying to build, Tommy Shepard, that is, he got Wes Unsell Jr. You all, I, I think you might have saw the video of, of Nikolai Jokic, the Joker, hugging him when they, when, the, right. when they play the Wizards and stuff like that. Like, he players like him. And also, he's a defensive guy, which we haven't had in years. And then you're looking at this 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 new team aspect of we're going to build around these two guys or whatever it may be and just have all these role players and try to build, like I said before uh, on the show, this, this, this culture of, okay, we're going to go to the Warriors aspect where we have two star players and then we have Draymond, who's the IQ guy, and then we have yeah, these the guys. Yeah, guys for exactly, sure. Exactly, exactly. So I think that – you know, the next move is looking for that next star. Now, who are we going to get? Who knows um, at this point? But we have the cap space to do it. We yes. have role, We have role guys. We have Thomas Bryant, who we'll see what he does. Daniel Gafford, we don't even think about that move anymore, even though True. when, when I, I told you before, when he goes out there and he plays over 20 minutes, he gets like a double-double. So that's why I don't understand why he's not playing that much. But at the same <laughs> time, you know, he's going out there and we, 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 we trashed him for the first few games because he was terrible. And then all of a sudden he started lighting it up, uh, you know, blocking well, remember shots. Remember I issued right. a formal apology yeah, yeah. to Daniel Gafford. Uh, on the show because I, I had doubted his abilities and he <laughs> has turned out to be like you said that's an under under the, the radar move that uh, because Chicago because I believe he was in Chicago yeah and they were kind of done with him like they didn't really need him he didn't really fit their their future plans and then he comes here and he blossoms he really yeah. did he really has become a solid especially when Thomas Bryant goes down and 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 now he has more opportunity to learn from guys like Montrez Harrell. Yeah, exactly, and that's the biggest thing now is that once Thomas Bryant comes back, he's still like 23, 24, whatever how old he is. So you think about Daniel Gafford and him switching off, going back and forth from the bench and on the on the court, and then you have Rui who, who who's going to you know come in and try to blossom. He, he's, he's supposed to be the next big thing here. Not really a big thing, but next like kind of like a Draymond-type player. Hopefully. Um, I mean, that you're right. With Rui, the question mark has always been like, He's shown these flashes of brilliance, yep. and he's Olympics. gotten us all excited. I mean, I've got my Rui jersey uh, um, in my in my uh, on my shelf, but he's never. He, I mean, obviously with injuries, and then with whatever was going on with him this year, and all that sort of stuff, it's like yep. 
he could have, he could be that third piece or you know a fourth piece, whatever you end up calling him. Uh, but we just don't know yet, you know. Yeah, a lot and of it, questions still with this team. But, but that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to say here. Obviously, I'm blabbering, but he's building uh, uh, Tommy Shepard. That is, he's building this team to, uh, I guess, entice uh, is the word I'm looking for these free agents to come here. Because sure. like I said, that's the next move is getting that secondary uh, slash one a star on this team like a star not like a lebron but like a jimmy butler or someone someone of that caliber right right that can come in here and 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 coexist with a guy like you're, Bradley you're Beal. chris middleton to your Giannis. like you need in order to win a championship in this league you have to have multiple superstars yeah. you just have to and, and you can't you can't win without those and, and that, that, that's another thing too is you're looking at Nikolai Jokic. you know his contract ends next year so they're also yeah. talking about i believe it ends next year and they're talking about him possibly coming here and Why playing not? with West well, Sell Jr. You never know. So that would be pretty crazy. Yeah. That would be that would be that would be awesome. No, that would be that'd be unbelievable. <laughs> gotta give me a little little horned up. Uh, but no, I think uh, you, you're right in that. I, I think some of these moves were made to show Bradley Beal that hey hey man, we're serious about the future. Uh, Tommy Shepard knows what he's doing. West Sell Jr. knows what he's doing. Um, you know, we we want you to be a cornerstone piece for us forever, for the rest of your career. And hopefully that will be the case. We just don't know. They still have to figure things out with uh, Bradley Beal and hopefully try to get him to stay. If you don't get him to stay, you should get, still have money to spend. And you can go find, hopefully, another Bradley Beal or, you know, another superstar that can come in here because you, you need him. You need the stars. The days of the 04 Pistons are over. I mean, you just don't – you can't really win like that anymore in today's yep. NBA. You need multiple stars, and then you need those role-player guys. And this was a huge, huge move, franchise-altering move, really, if you think about it, as far as, all right, out with the old types of moves that Ernie Grunfeld used to do and in with the Tommy Shepard – um, making his uh, smart, intelligent moves for the future. You know where you're not you're not trading away your future because uh, of of the present. You're you're setting your team up. If you're not a contender, you want to be a contender in a couple of years. And I feel like he did that with this huge move um, and getting Russ out of here. Turns out to be the right move as well because that uh, <laughs> that guy is not uh, again. L.A. is in the same place we are basically in in the in the West. They're like seventh place or eighth place. So right. Yeah, we said it wouldn't work out. Um, <laughs> the last one here, looking back on 2021, that we got to discuss uh, is, of course, the breaking up of the Washington Nationals, one of the biggest fire sales you will ever see uh, in in any sport, really, uh, in July 30th. So while the um, Russ contract getting moved and the picks and things like that was happening, Right around that time, if not the same day, or at least within a day, was the Nats, the Nats trade extravaganza. Monster news out of Major League Baseball. Max Scherzer was headed to the San Diego Padres. Hold on a second. He's now heading to the L.A. Dodgers alongside teammate Trey Turner for a package of prospects going to Washington. Eight-time All-Star, three-time Cy Young Award winner Max Scherzer, 2.76 ERA this season and 19 starts. Trey Turner, All-Star this season, 322, 18 homers, 49 RBIs. So now Max Scherzer and Trey Turner will look to help the Dodgers repeat as World Series champs. They traded away Max Scherzer. Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, Brad Hand, Daniel Hudson, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison, and John Lester. And they received Josiah Gray, Lane Thomas, Kiebert Ruiz, Donovan Casey, Riley Adams, Mason Thompson, and Gerardo Carrillo. 
Uh, and obviously one group of those names is better than the other. Uh, but yeah, what a wild July for this team where Nats fans had a crisis as they watched guys that had been cornerstones of the franchise, like a Max Scherzer, like a Trey Turner. Those were definitely the two biggest out of all this list because Trey Turner, as a Nats fan, you kind of looked at Trey Turner as he's going to be our shortstop for the rest of his career. And with Max Scherzer, you kind of figure, hey, they'll keep Max around until he's done. He's almost he's already getting up there in age. Like He's probably only got two, three seasons left. We'll make sure he'll still be on this team. Not so more. And now he's going to be pitching against us in the division. So, uh, but and Trey, Trey Turner, of course, out there in L.A. Um, but what a wild couple days the trade deadline was in the MLB as we just watched this team be fully dismantled. I mean, if you look at the names, at least three, four, four of them were on the World Series team. Uh, and then Schwarber wasn't. Brad Hand wasn't. Um, uh, Harrison and Lester. I don't think Harrison was on the World Series team. So yeah, Harrison and Lester both not on the World Series team. So, but you still had you know three, three, four guys that won rings with this team only a year or so ago. You know, and and they're traded away for. And I think the the biggest thing that the fan base had to wrestle with, Mike, was the guys they were getting back. Nobody knows who these guys are because they're all prospects and having to learn who they are and what their potential is. That's hard for a fan base that's never really had to do that. Yeah, and that's the thing about baseball is that it's not like any other sport. There's no cap space. There's no this. There's no that. It's about how much money you want to spend. That's why the Yankees, and everyone always says, like, why are the Yankees always so good? Why do they have all these big-name players? It's because they all, all they want to do is spend money. That's all they yeah. want to do. Yeah. Because if you spend money in baseball as an owner, you make money most of the time. Yeah. Because yeah. you get the best players, because you win a lot of games, attendance, sales, all that kind of different stuff. Uh, and, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, you're looking at Oakland. Oakland doesn't spend a lot of money, but they always find those 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 catalyst players that, that are just good ball players and different stuff like that. That's a whole different story. But you're looking at, uh, you know, the Dodgers. The Dodgers have all these players. They have all this stuff. They didn't win a World Series last year. So you're looking at it and saying, what do they spend all this money for? Well, they got to that point. But yeah, they also you put yourself gave... in a good position. Yeah, Exactly, and that's what everyone wants to do. Everyone wants to win that championship. Now, did the Nats do that a few years ago when they won? No, they didn't do that. They just had, uh, you know, some great pitching, uh, you know, especially with Patrick Corbin, even though he did, did not, not so well the last couple seasons. But, yeah, you're looking at him during that run. I mean, he came out of the bullpen almost every single game, throwing one or two innings. And, you know, he was, you know, the catalyst to that pitching, uh, you know, trifecta in the playoffs. But you're looking at this team now and saying – why did all these people get traded away, and why did why did we lose? Uh, you know, all these star caliber players. Says Max just got paid by the Mets, as you mentioned. But it's like that could have something to do with it. Now we're not behind the closed doors when Max Scherzer was talking to Mike Rizzo and saying, "Hey, I got a few years left." And then Mike Rizzo was saying, "Well, you know, we we don't know if we can pay you that much, you know, because we're trying to still build around Juan Soto and we got to pay Juan Soto." And Max Scherzer's. You know, straight up guy. He's probably saying, "All right, you know, I understand. If you want to trade me away, that's fine. Um, you know, I totally understand. I totally get the business of baseball. But that's the thing is, you're looking how much he's getting paid now by the Mets. Yeah, that's a that's a ton of money. I mean, it, it is. Was it, it is. three years for like 140 million or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. that yeah. The, the Nats were not going to pay that. Okay. No. He gave, and because the thing about it is, people don't realize this. He was getting paid in his prime with us less than he's getting paid now as like a 37-year-old pitcher, 
which is right. crazy to think about. So you're looking at it and saying, I'm sure that behind closed doors they were like, hey, you know, we, you know, we 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 understand, we 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 like to stay together, but at the same time, you got to build your baseball club and all that kind of stuff. Trey Turner, that was a that was a big head turner because everyone was like, you know, you know pun intended, uh, because the sole <laughs> fact that everyone wanted. Trey Turner to stay on the team because he's so good. He's a great right. leadoff hitter, all this, so on and so forth. But that's the problem is that, again, in baseball, it's a whole different situation when you talk about rebuilding. In the NBA, you can have, as you have the Pistons right now, who have you know Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham. They're trying to build from the ground up. And you said the, the Grizzlies did it uh, as the same thing with John Morant. And the Pelicans are trying to do it now. Brandon Ingram, Zion, all these kind of guys. They're trying to build from the ground up. You know, the, the, the Philly, uh, you know, the 76ers are the same thing in the NBA. Baseball is different. Like I said, there's no cap space. It's not like, right. oh, I, 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 you know, I guess we'll just suck for the next 10 years <laughs> or whatever because we can't draft anybody that's not panning out. It's not about that. You draft somebody in the major leagues, you draft Bryce Harper at number one, he didn't play for the team for like a whole year. Yeah, you're not going to see him for five years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you're looking at the Nats, it's like, you know, yes, the learners have been somewhat cheapskates for the most part. Uh, when you're looking at uh, different contracts and so on and so forth. But the biggest thing about this team is that people don't realize that you have to rebuild and you have to you know, build from the ground up sometimes and get prospects. When we had prospects, yeah. we were doing well. And now all of a sudden we don't have prospects, so we have to trade people away because we were not performing the way we wanted to perform, especially with Strasburg's injury, Corbin not pitching well. Right. That's what this team has leaned on for years and years and years is pitching. And this in this past year we didn't have it. So Mike Rizzo said, All right, I'm gonna pull the trigger and make this rebuild happen. And he got the go ahead by the learners and so far I think he's done all right. Yeah, I mean it hurts obviously. You don't like losing those names and you have to have come to right. a point as a franchise, you have to decide are, do we have enough to make a run at this thing? Or can we trade off assets and build up a farm system? Because the Nats farm system was pretty bad. Yeah. Once Juan Soto got brought up and Robles got brought up and those guys at that point it was like Keep Boom really, was not panning out. There was yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep Boom, who was one of their best prospects at one point. Um, you know, then you come to a point where you're like, damn, we have nobody in the farm system. So we, we need to do something about that, and if we're not going to contend, well, maybe we can fill up the farm system with guys like uh, Keeper Ruiz and Josiah Gray and, and Riley Adams and those sorts of names who we got to know a little bit last year. And, yeah, I, I, it obviously sucks because you hate to lose those guys that you loved and you bought their jerseys and stuff like that, but it's just the reality of the sport. If, if, if the Nats didn't want to be the big spenders like the Dodgers or the Yankees, this is the type of moves you have to do if you're kind of a middle-tier club, even though they do have the money to do it, but they just didn't. But, you know, if you want to be a middle-tier club, uh, this is the type of things you have to do sometimes. And, yeah. yeah, this next season coming up, once we get past this lockout, it may not be pretty. And this may be a uh, bottom-of-the-division type team, but at least you'll get to know some of these guys a little bit better because, hey, uh, Josiah Gray could pan out. I mean, he does have some skill. Uh, Kiba Ruiz is supposed to be a tremendous catching prospect. He could definitely pan out, and some of these other guys. So we'll see. We'll see, but it was one of the biggest things to happen in a D.C. sports team, not only that year, but probably in the last decade, as far as having these this many stars, especially two superstars, and then everybody else who were all decent players, uh, all be given away, traded away uh, at the deadline. I mean, we've never seen the Nats blow up just like this before, yeah. and uh, it was it was insane. Well, well, look at the Angels. The Angels have an MVP caliber in Mike Trout every single year. They just got Anthony Rendon, and both of them were hurt. And what did they do? They did nothing. And that's right. it. You had Shohei Otani, who was a, a, a revelation, 
okay, who goes out there and is pitching, you know, you know, under a three ERA or whatever, getting four or five strikeouts a t- uh, an outing, and he's going out there and hitting forty five bombs or whatever the hell he had. Yeah. It's like you, you just wasted a whole entire season of that because you had two guys that were injured because you right. paid out the wazoo for Rendon, who I would say that I would still prefer to have Rendon on the team, but it's a Same. different story. <laughs> but then you're looking at Mike Trout. You you got these two superstars that basically didn't play. They played a, what a total of forty games, something like that, uh, yeah. combined or something like that, and they didn't do anything. So it's like this is the thing that a lot of these casual fans don't understand. Like, oh, I'm boycotting the team because they they traded Max Scherzer. Like, why? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, we traded Russell Westbrook, and he was getting triple doubles left and right. And are you going to boycott them, even though everyone boycotts the Wizards anyways because because <laughs> no one ever goes to the games. Uh, but that's the thing is you're just looking at it and saying. These fans, and I'm not trying to rag on people that are out there that you know are are casual people, you know, watching baseball and stuff like that. Because we would love to have as many fans as possible. The difference is that, like I mentioned, baseball is a completely different animal than every other sport. Again, cap space. Go look it up. You don't know what it is. Is a huge thing in baseball. That's why the Yankees have star players every single year. That's why they trade for these star players because they'll pay out the wazoo because they don't care. Same thing with the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers started paying crazy amounts of money once Magic uh, started becoming a part owner and everything like that as well. Um, but you're looking at it just saying this team needs a rebuild. This team is not going to be this perennial force every single year like some people thought they were because when they first came in, oh Ryan Zimmerman, you know all this kind of stuff, and then they were like, oh, the, oh my God, this is awesome, you know we got we got Josh Willingham, the Hammer, you know they got all these these players. Loved Willingham. Yeah, yeah, my mom loved Willingham too, uh, and he was he's got a weird swing. He's like a tin man. You got to grease that guy yeah, up. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did. But uh, that's the thing is like you got some of these players. You know we had the Niger Morgan years. We had all these different players out there that kind of were embarrassing and like they, you know we were somehow starting them and. It it just made no sense. And then all of a sudden, we started gaining players. We got Jason Worth, and we started going further and further into the roster and into the depth to the point where they started realizing, okay, this is a building fan base. This is going in. And this is our first rebuild since basically existence back in 2005. So you're right. looking at it and saying, this is a, a normal process, and this is what some people need to realize because the difference is, is that some people in this area compare this team to the Orioles. And the Orioles have been so mediocre over the years. They have one crazy, what was it, 2014 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, where, it was like 2014 where, or 2015. Where, yeah. where they had so much, all these guys hitting bombs left and right. And that's the right, thing. Right, making the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. So you're looking at that saying, like, everyone's comparing this team kind of to the Orioles, I think, that, oh, you know, they're mediocre. But they're they're getting a star player here and there and stuff like that. It's like, But the, the Nats, because they came in and they, they, they rebuilt so fast, I think everyone's used to that to the point where now everyone's kind of like, this sucks. You know, we're not going to sign Juan Soto. We're not going to do this. We're not going to like, now everyone's just pissed off throwing their arms in the air, but you just got to relax. Okay. Just, just calm it, calm the jets, cool the jets here and, and, and just let, let things pan out. Hopefully we get Juan Soto. Hopefully Mike Rizzo doesn't screw that up. I'm not he's saying he's going to, but he's kind of, he's kind of, you know, hand tied. He's, I mean, he's hog tied here by the, by the, the learners. So you have to go out there and, and hopefully he gets that going. But at the same time, that's the first step into this rebuild is making sure you got him, you know, tied up for the next 10 years. Uh, and then you obviously have Josiah Gray and company coming in here, hopefully being the next regime for the Washington Nationals. No, you made a really good point because this team has only been around like 16 years or something. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's this, this, this fan organization, this team went from bad to pretty good to starting to like make playoffs and stuff. Yep. Um, 
and and then kind of having off years and good years and off years and good years, but still generally pretty good. And then obviously winning a World Series all within a 15 year span. Basically, they were able to get this done. Uh, so it was it, they haven't experienced the rebuild. And you're right. This is about as painful of a, of a rebuild that you can face. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. We'll see what happens, obviously, with this upcoming season. Before we hit up the money line, I want us to just quickly rank these teams as far as going into the new year, the state of each of these teams, as far as who is the most, you know, call it like bright future or, 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 you know, championship contention type potential versus who is at the very bottom. Um, so we can start with the bottom. I would, and I would say just based around this conversation we're having now and the rebuild attitude, it seems like the Nationals out of these four teams is probably at the bottom as far as a, a, a World Series-type team again and that sort of thing. Do you agree with that, that they're probably of the four, maybe at the bottom? I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because of the sole fact that you know, baseball, it takes forever to get to the World Series, it feels like. I mean, it yeah. feels like there's 17 series I mean, in six there. Six months of, <laughs> of playing. I mean, it's of 162 games. I mean, it's, it's a, then you have to play the playoff games, which is like yep. another 15, 20 games. So it's like, yeah, it's a long grind for yeah, sure. So I agree. Yeah, so the Nats are at the bottom. Uh, third, uh, so third place of the four, so second to from last. This is a little interesting. Because I think you can go a couple of different directions. I think, you know, in my eyes, it's between the Wizards and the Washington football team for third. Um, if I was to lean a certain way, I would possibly put Washington football team there because the Wiz are still in playoff contention. I know it's different seasons, different sports, totally different. thing. But the Wiz have, we're talking about the money they're going to be able to spend here soon. They're, they have kind of a quote-unquote direction. You know, the Washington football team, we don't even know who's going to be quarterback for the future. Uh, you know, we're still trying to figure out, you know, uh, some of these guys like Chase Young. Is he going to be able to come back from injury? Uh, and the division still being, uh, Cowboys being a really, really strong team, uh, kind of a, blo- a barrier to entry for the playoffs in a way. I don't know. I feel like I would put Washington football team at third. I would have to. I was hoping you said the Wizards because I wanted to say something different than you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're looking at it and thinking the, the WFT have to be in that conversation because of the sole fact that when you're looking at the team right now, every team that is making the playoffs, more so than not, obviously, have a quarterback. And yeah. finding a quarterback is a lot more difficult than people think because everyone's like, oh, you, you, you just need a. You need you need one of these uh you know uh, Justin Herberts you know find that guy like right okay it's easy to say oh Justin Herbert but everyone was saying that he was just a, a gunslinger and stuff like that for every no one, Justin Herbert there's a Dwayne Haskins I exactly mean. no one was thinking that Patrick Mahomes drafted late in the first round was going to be this superstar no one thought right. Justin Herbert was going to be a Josh superstar. Allen. I exactly, mean, yeah. exactly. Josh Allen was saying like everyone's like, "Oh, he played at Wyoming." You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like that—that's the biggest thing is you're looking at the Washington Football Team and the NFL. I mean, just look at some of these teams that don't have quarterbacks to the point where all of a sudden they're going out there and and they're struggling left and right and left and right. And that's why you're seeing Derek Carr being you know thrown in as a name that the Washington Football Team can get because yes, he's not a you know top five, top ten quarterback. But he can throw the ball, and he can mm-hmm. aim, and he can he can, he can sling it out there. He can do the job, and that's better than what anything we have right now. And that's the biggest thing is that with the Washington football team, our defense is good, but at the same time, you need to go out there 
and get a quarterback, but that is a lot harder than it seems. Yeah, so I think I think we got to put them third, uh, and then that ought to, in my eyes, that makes um, you know the Wiz probably fit in at second. Um, I don't think they're right. at caps level. They don't have an Alexander Ovechkin. They don't have a established team like that um, who is probably has, still has the the brightest future of the four. Uh, but the Wiz are looking better. They have a little more direction. They've made some smart moves to make us more optimistic for the future of this team. A lot of this will hinge on the Bradley Beal situation. Uh, but I feel like of the four, they have they're just ahead of, of the Washington Football Team for the reasons that we just kind of talked about. Yeah, and I'm really more so excited, more so than not for any other team, but the Wizards because the Wizards right now, like I said before, I, and I'm like on the Tommy Shepard you know bandwagon here. Right. I think that he's done some incredible moves. And I think also he has the plan in place, and I think he has some players in place to entice some of these free agents. So I'm really excited to see over the next uh, you know, two off-seasons to see who he has in store. To, I mean, because look at Bradley Beal. He's like, what, 28 years old still? So it's like he's still got his – you know, he's still in the prime. So right. you think about this team that he's building – a, uh, a a championship contender, but it's not going to be for the next say year or two possibly. Like they're they're going to be a you know a, I would say a contender for the second round stuff right, like that. Right. I don't think it's going to be a championship contender, but I'm excited to see what the future has to build because he has unloaded those unbelievable contracts that we had before, and I think overall he's definitely making some waves in this area to the point where everyone's starting to see that we're a little bit more excited about the Wizards than we usually think. Oh, 100%. The Wizards fans, you can just see it on Twitter. There's a little more engagement than it has been in the past couple of years. And then last but not least, the Washington Capitals. I feel like they have to be number one in this because I feel like of the four teams, they're the ones that have the most you know, title contention in them. Like, this is a team that could win a cup this year. Are they going to? Obviously, that's a tough road to that. But I think they're in the best position possible to win a cup. And it's for the things that we talk about every week on our show, that, you know, Alexander Ovechkin playing tremendously. All these young guys coming in while some of these other guys have been injured. Some of the main stars that we think about as far as, like, Oshies and the Backstroms and things like that. Other guys have stepped up into the fold. Uh, Heck, Anthony Mantha's been hurt for, you know, most of the year. So it's like (laughs) all these other guys have come in. They stepped up. And this team is still winning hockey games and playing really, really well. Uh, and I feel like this is a this is a team that has a shot to win a cup, and that, that means you've got to be number one of these four if, if you uh, have a chance uh, to uh, actually win one. Exactly, of course. That's the thing uh, when you're looking at the Caps roster is that last year you mentioned it earlier in the show that oh they were you know it's like an old folks home out here and different things of that nature basically yep. and you're looking at Zdeno Char you're looking at all these different older guys <laughs> that they had to get rid of and different things of that nature but looking at the young guys now I mean Connor McMichael is obviously the the leader in the clubhouse that everyone thinks he's gonna make the most impact over the next five years but you have Martin Faravari who's on the first line with John Carlson he's been playing very well you have Alexis Protas that's actually out there who I didn't even know who the hell he was until he sure. started all of a sudden playing a lot um, but you got all these other guys that are making an impact, and that's the biggest thing is this year and in our group thread that we talk about these teams constantly throughout the week, I was saying specifically they have to integrate at least three to four young guys this year because this team needs to get younger. This team needs to make sure that they have another regime coming in once OV starts to de- disintegrate a little bit uh, and Backstrom as well. But you're looking at, like you mentioned, Mantha's been hurt a lot. TJ Oshie was hurt a little bit. Nick Backstrom has been basically on the sidelines pretty much the entire right. season as well. Um, and it's, it's just something that is crazy to see because obviously if Ovechkin wasn't having this stellar season where he's top three in points and so on and so forth, 
I just think that this team would be middle of the pack right now. Uh, and I think they'd probably be closer to the Penguins style right now because Sidney Crosby was hurt. Malkin's been hurt for a while. But I just think that this team is moving in the right direction. They got Coach Love, and that's a, that's a really good uh, coach to have because he's he's been to the ship before, and he's also coached multiple teams that have won many, many games. Uh, so they got him in place. But I just think that moving forward in this league, it's very hard, very, very hard to continue your status once you have that star player. Now, we've had Ovechkin and Backstrom for so many years, and we've made moves and stuff like that. They probably haven't been that great, giving away prospects, giving away draft picks, this and that. But you're looking at it and saying, we got the, the the nice core. I mean, Ovechkin's still playing. And that's the thing about hockey is you can play a lot longer than a lot of these other sports. I mean, but, it's unbelievable the production he's doing at his age. Exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. You got him. You got Backstrom. You got Mantha, TJ Oshie. Yes, some like three of the four right there are a little bit on the wrong side uh, of the age that we would like to see. Anthony Mantha's still young. But you got Connor McMichael working in there. Like I said, Martin Farivari, Alexis Protoss. You got the, the the net miners, Vitek Vanacek and, and mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov, who are, who are in their mid 20s. So you got the core. You just got to make sure you sustain that core and keep moving forward. The work never stops. It's never like, oh, you know, we're we're you know in the driver's seat right now in the division or whatever it may be. Let's just stop making moves. Let's stop trying to improve our team. No, try to figure out some smaller moves, and that's what uh, you know they've been doing overall over the last few years. And I think that's what's coming into fruition now is that you got you know your stars there that are now having the guys under their wing in Conor McMichael and so on and so forth. You got the guys under their wing learning and learning and learning to the point where they're going to be in their mid to late 20s to the point where all of a sudden, once Ovi and Backstrom's you know, production stops, and same with TJ Oshie, once their, produc- pro- uh, their production stops, then all of a sudden, what do you have? Okay, you got some guys that can take over the reins and make sure this team keeps propelling forward, especially with Tom Wilson. I didn't even mention Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson's one of the star players on this team. So right. you, you got the plan in place, just keep chugging forward. No, they're in a great position. I mean, you look at one of the reasons why D- Detroit, the Red Wings, fell so hard from grace was they had all the older players, but they didn't really have the younger players waiting in the wings. They didn't really have right, that, right. that grooming that the, the Caps have been able to do here. So really excited to see uh, what the season holds. Still a lot, a, lot, a lot of battles to go, but this team's in great position. Before we end the show here, let's hit up the money line sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, our picks, of course. Um uh, so I am 14 and 16 now. Mike is 15 and 15. Uh, not great weeks for either of us, really, um, last week. but And now it gets even more difficult because, uh, yeah, we're hitting up some of these bowl games and things like that. And as you and I have discussed, bowl games are pretty tough to predict because some guys play, some guys don't, and it kind of goes all over the place. I mean, heck, look at that Michigan State uh, game uh, that's coming up here where Kenneth Walker is not going to be playing. And, Kenny Pickett. Uh, and P- Pickett's not going to be playing, so it's like I wouldn't, uh, hard to bet on that. Uh, my lock, so these are crapshoots. My lock this week, I'm going to go Mississippi State, 9.5 over Texas Tech. That game's tomorrow. Uh, no real rationale behind it, Mike. I'm just going with the, with the, uh, the favorite. And then my dog, smaller line, and I kind of liked this one. I'm going to go Houston. Uh, Two, uh, they're they're two point dogs. I'm gonna have them taking down Auburn tomorrow. That's my dog. Well, I believe Bo Nix is not playing in that game uh, because he's transferring. But at the same time, Mississippi, Mississippi State they got Mike Leach. They're they're a gunslinging team. They'll probably throw it sixty times tomorrow, especially with Texas Tech. Texas Tech has been known to be you know a gunslinging team as well. So that right. might be a, a, a definitely an over to hit. But last week didn't obviously go so well for me. I had uh, uh, Ar- uh yeah I had Army 
minus four over Mizzou, and they won by two on a last-minute field goal, I believe it was. Um, and then obviously I had UTSA. You know, it was like right. a plus two and a half or something like that, or plus one and a half. And that didn't go my way either. So, anyways, <laughs> no, uh, it <laughs> it's just it's just not going so well. And not to mention, like you meant, like you said, these bowl games kind of crazy because of the sole fact that Virginia Tech was a I think a two-point favorite over Maryland, and then right. all of a sudden. They have guys. I think Trey Turner is going to the draft, I believe. Uh, and then, obviously, Braxton uh, Burmeister is, uh, is is not playing in the game. So, now right. the line changed from, like, two and a half to now three and a half for Maryland. <laughs> a five-point yeah. swing. So, it's it went. Wild. It's crazy. So and with the picks, COVID stuff, too, you got yep. you know, bowl, entire bowl games are being canceled. I mean, it's crazy. A yeah. lot of – it's wild. Wild time to bet college football right now. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's just nuts. Uh, so, my lock this week is NC State uh, minus two over UCLA. Um, you know, two-point uh, favorites. UCLA, they're a really good rushing team uh, from what I've heard. Obviously, I don't know a lot about the West Coast teams. But yeah. NC State, I know a lot about them. And they're a really good rush defense. And their defense has been their catalyst for the entire season. So, I think they can cover that, too. Only winning by a field goal, not that bad. My dog is Air Force. I'm going to go with another service academy. Okay, Army okay. failed me the first time, but I think Air Force uh, is is we one of those teams. support the troops here on this podcast. <laughs> Air Force is uh, is one of those teams, just like Army and Navy are, that they will run the option, but they do have a better passing attack than both those teams. Uh, so that's going to be something just in case they need to pass it. So I'm going to have them plus one and a half over Louisville. And I think that's called the – might be called the Military Bowl or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. We probably should have wrote it down here. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. That, those are our locks and our dogs. Feel free to bet those same ones on the DraftKings uh, sports book. Of course, bet responsibly. And uh, besides that, people, again, this is – this is it, 2021 in this the books. <laughs> uh, as we are a few short days away from the end of the end of the year here, uh, but we appreciate all of those who have joined us on this journey this year. Listen to the show, subscribed, followed us on Twitter, uh, listen to us on the Contender, wherever you consumed our content. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to even bigger things next year. I mean, heck, we were going into this year not really with a bunch of expectations. Next thing you know, Contender comes calling, and some of the other things that have happened this year. Um, so really excited about 2022 and uh, hopefully we'll have a, a, a maybe some more teams in the playoffs uh, this year too to talk about and do some live stuff there uh besides that follow mike on twitter at Cerrone 16 follow myself and the main show account at the dc crossover download the contender app that's contender with a k and we will see you next year that's what that's the cheesy thing to say you get to say oh, I hate or, or or next week you get to go man i haven't seen you since last year that's my favorite thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson we will see you next year on the DC Crossover